Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast. This is episode 79. And today, Jackie and I interview another great story of a patient journey with Mark Felstead. Jackie, I'm sure that the listeners will certainly, as I did and you did, I know, get some goosebumps from Mark's story today. Yes, and I've heard Mark's story a few times and I get goosebumps every time. It is quite emotional. What is really interesting for me, obviously being a paramedic and having sort of as I don't want to give too much away from, you know, for the listeners, it's interesting to sort of be on one side and then be on the other side of a patient experience. And, you know, while many of us have had, I suppose, ongoing health concerns, and that's really what has brought us to more awareness of our health and well-being. But when that health crisis, it's an acute crisis story, it's really quite confronting. You know, you go through that confrontation of, you know, one's mortality and it gives you that opportunity to really go, what's important? You know, what do I really want from life when you are confronting quite unexpectedly in an acute way? Um, your mortality. And I think the story today from Mark will certainly give listeners an opportunity to perhaps reflect on, you know, their own health journey. Yeah. And to, you know, people listening have the opportunity to do everything they can to avoid that acute crisis, which we quite often tend not to do because we always think it's going to happen to somebody else. Yes, but Jackie, as part of your studies, I know you're very familiar with the behaviour change model and we can understand and appreciate people, you know, not ready to contemplate or, you know, they're still in a pre-contemplation phase, you know, and sometimes people need to are dragged kicking and screaming to, you know, move from pre-contemplation to contemplation to action. But sometimes simply you might, these stories, that Mark shares with us today might help you change and move and shift and make decisions, find your way. Yeah. And even consider some some of the medical screening that can be done to just know know where you are now. Hmm. You know, do you need to take action? That's right. But some of that action, you know, for us has always been around obviously not just nutrition, physical activity, uh, mindfulness, sleep, those sorts of things. It's a holistic approach. 
But yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be all about the food, even though the food is delicious and yummy. But um, yeah, taking that holistic approach. Yeah, definitely. It has to. So Jackie, why don't you tell us a bit more about Mark? My name is Mark Felsted, 59 years old. And until three years ago, I was a very fit triathlete, often taking part in competitions and thinking I was doing everything right for my body and my health. For most of my adult life, I have exercised and trained regularly. I ate what I thought was a healthy diet. I watched my weight and I did not smoke. Things were all to change very suddenly on a Wednesday evening in August 2018. I left my home with my racing bike to compete in a local duathlon. I kissed my wife and my daughter goodbye, not knowing it was very nearly the last time I would see them. I'm getting choked up just reading this. Two hours later, I was nearing the finishing line. I collapsed. Sudden cardiac arrest. A so-called widowmaker clinically dead on the spot. Luckily, oh so luckily, two of my fellow competitors were very quick to act and kept me alive with CPR until the emergency services arrived. They were also doctors who helped. I woke up 10 days later out of an induced coma, but that's a story for another time. Even as I'm reading that, and I know Mark's story, and I mentioned earlier, I know Mark's story. I've I've got tears in my eyes and goosebumps up my arms. So anyway, we hope you'll enjoy this episode. Welcome, Mark, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Oh, thanks. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to see you guys. Good to meet you too. So, Tell everyone where in the world you are. Okay, well, today I'm just outside of Berlin uh, in Germany, and it's a beautiful sunny day, but it's uh, freezing. It's been a very cold night, so there's a bit of frost everywhere. Great. And you live there, don't you? I live in Berlin. I'm actually visiting my parents-in-law for the weekend. We have a little uh, second uh, residence here, so to speak. So that's pretty cool. Get out of the city every now and again. Yeah, lovely. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your journey because you've got a very impactful journey I would say. Okay well yes um, it all started well the story revolves around 2018 I guess. Um, I'm a guy at the end of my 50s now but when I was in my mid 50s I was a pretty fit guy actually. Everybody knew me as Mark the fit one, Mark the sport mad guy. You know I was a triathlete, cyclist, duathlete, Um, where most people would be sleeping in after a conference. I'd be up and out jogging and taking my bike with me to strange places around the world to catch a a heel here and there. Um, And I seemed to be leading a very healthy life. I mean, yeah, I probably drank a little bit too much every now and again, but most of the time I was eating well. I was very slim, had less than 10% body fat, um, training a lot, and competing in local triathletes and national triathletes, triathlon, sorry. Um, and then one August evening in 2018, I left my house around six o'clock in the evening with my racing bike, rode a few kilometers to the start of a duathlete, duathlon, sorry, which is running and cycling, running and cycling, kissed my wife and my daughter goodbye, off I set, happy as that, happy as the lark, um, started the race never finished the race because apparently 
200 meters before the finish line after like an hour competition i collapsed with a sudden heart attack a widow maker um and yeah was resuscitated or kept alive as i was lucky enough within my competitors that evening were two doctors who had finished and saw exactly what happened rushed to the scene uh started the cpr kept me going um for apparently 25 minutes of cpr mm. they actually saw the ambulance drive past took the wrong turning off the motorway and drove past them while they were still doing the cpr um and then delivered me to the local hospital the charity hospital in berlin and i woke up literally 10 days later out of an induced coma i'll never forget that scene my wife was on one side uh, my sister was on the other of the bed i had no idea where i was or what had happened literally no idea um and i'd never seen such big smiles on either my sister or my wife and i was couldn't quite understand why at the time yeah uh, that must have been a very scary time for them yeah the, i and uh, it's thank you for touching on that jackie because yes i was the sort of the, the victim of this horrible heart attack if you like but actually the real suffering certainly in those 10 days was for my wife and family i mean uh, without getting too emotional about it and i always do tend to get emotional at this point you have to imagine what it was like when it was like nine o'clock ten o'clock that evening my wife was expecting me home and she's like oh mark's a bit late maybe he's having a, you know a drink with his fellow competitors or you know maybe he's having a chat with the guys and then she got a call from the um from the hospital saying we've got your husband here he's had a heart attack and they literally said we don't know what's going to happen in the next 24 hours he's stable at the moment but we cannot what the next 24 hours is going to bring uh, so you can imagine did you have any inkling did you have any inkling that you know there was something untoward with your health you know like you said you had a body fat of less than 10% you were a, a triathlete you're a, you know you're running you're cycling you're swimming surely you know you're you know on the outside you were super fit but had you had any sort of health checks to sort of gave you any clues that this ticking time bomb was just waiting to go off great great question two things there louise um for the eve for that for that time for that event it was what they call asymptomatic there were no symptoms i mean it was august i'd been on holiday in france the three weeks previously and i've been training like an idiot you know i've been out every day doing sport to a pretty good level and there was nothing that seemed to tell me uh that anything was about to happen nothing i was you know i was in a, a top form absolute peak of my fitness um going back however there had been uh, a a red a slight red flag uh, back in 2012 it probably was a red flag but for me i just thought it was a slight red flag uh where i had i had been sent to a cardiologist and they had discovered some issues um i could talk about that story another time or maybe later but as far as the event that happened in 2018 i was as fit as a fiddle and there was nothing that would indicate to me that something was about to happen um and, and like i say i was at the top of my game what was the diet what what's what would be your did you have a pre training did you were you a carb loading fiend yeah louise you've got me there you absolutely got me i mean this is one of the things i always say like oh i thought i i was eating healthily well as as you pointed out there you know the mantra 
of um, endurance sports, triathlon, cycling, and so on, is if you're going to train hard, if you're going to compete in a competition, the best way to prepare is to carb load, is to, you know, go for the pasta, go for the rice. And, you know, I love my pasta. So that's exactly what I used to do. And that's what exactly what I've been doing for 10 or 15 years of, you know, endurance, enjoying cycling and, and triathlon. So, so although I say my diet was good, my diet was healthy, um basically uh i yeah i was very used to carb loading um as a way of you know optimizing so i thought my performance because uh, i'm a bit over obsessed with my performance i mean i'm you know mid 50s guy but i was uh, an age grouper you know that you know i was uh, the top three to five percent in my age group uh, in the competition so i was driven you know i was like going for that peak performance yeah yeah I, it just I don't know. I, I just feel that we're told one thing, but it's not really based on evidence. And then everybody does it, but then they don't feel great. They don't feel well like you have unsuspected heart attack. Just amazes me still. Yeah. I mean, um, as you know, we, we came together as well because of my cooperation with or collaboration with Ivor Cummins and all the great work that he does. And on our first podcast, we talked about the first time we talked together, we talked about this and he summed it up very well. He said, you know, Mark, with your high carb diet, with your carb loading, with doing sport to extreme. So going into the, you know, the HIIT, the high interval, interval, uh, high intensity interval training. Um, he said, what you're doing to your engine and I, you know, consider your, you know, the cardiovascular system is more or less an engine with your heart as a pump and all the rest of it. He said, what you're actually doing is you're running like a Formula One racing car. You're revving your engine up to eight, nine, 10,000 revs on the high octane fuel, carbs, sugar. So, but the thing is, those Formula One engines are last to, are built to last one Grand Prix and then they're rebuilt. Your body is not, is, is in it for the long game. The way you were running your engine, something was going to go wrong. The pipes are going to burst something. And yeah. that is more or less, that is a great analogy because that is effectively what happened. Something went wrong on that evening. It was a perfect storm. Uh, whether it was my diet, it was a hot evening. I was probably dehydrated. I never drank enough water during sporting events. I know this was a weakness of mine, probably stressed about the competition itself. Uh, so it was a kind of a perfect storm of events. Um, but I do, I do not, my, uh, actually I lost two days uh, of my life. It's kind of a natural defense system that your brain eradicates the memory to protect you. So I have no memory at all of the event. Literally my vague recollection is starting. I have a very, very vague recollection. And that's quite interesting because the one person I spoke to at the start was actually the doctor who then saved my life afterwards and i'm still very good friends with him dr ralph heinrich he knows who he is thank you so much i was talking with him last week um but i lost the day before complete black the of the day of the event complete black and i can tell you you know what it's like i was i was doing meetings on the on the tuesday it was a wednesday the event i was doing meetings on the tuesday um and when i eventually got back to you know my computer my office like you know weeks later i see these emails like oh mark where's your follow-up email where's the you know let's where's the follow-up to the things we discussed i had absolutely no memory of that meeting or anything we discussed it was like who are these people what 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 did, what nothing absolutely nothing there yeah and we mentioned offline that my ex-brother-in-law had a heart attack last summer and he's lost a lot of his memory he he forgets things. He 
he can't remember things and then all of a sudden things will come back and photos jog his memory and things like that but sometimes he can't remember things that have happened well i'm uh, i mean the whole paradox is that we could you know talk about this as well the whole paradox of the event is that probably because i did so much sport to that sort of intensity is what possibly drove me towards a heart attack but given i had the heart attack during a sporting event where my uh, blood was highly highly oxygenized if you can imagine doing that sort of cardiovascular thing um it was probably the fact that i am so fit that saved my life in and and also saved me because like it's one thing to survive a heart attack it's another thing to survive a heart attack without any real long term damage especially brain damage that's what that's what is so easy yeah. to happen i mean i was they did cpr on me for 25 minutes you know yeah. what i mean that could have have had all kinds of nasty uh brain effects yeah. um and the para- like i say the paradox is because i the the heart attack happened while i was so heavily oxygenized while my blood was so strongly oxygenized it actually helped me survive if yeah. you like without yeah. without any long term damage or minimum a, a colleague a colleague who's a researcher in bystander CPR and you know you're one of the lucky ones with that bystander CPR and obviously very skilled CPR um from those two doctors did they actually have the AED did they have the the defibrillator there for you or was well, it the just that they just the, the ambulance the came ambulance. With, the, with the defib 25 minute I'm only I'm only getting this story from a third party of course sure. uh, apparently they defib me twice by the way yeah. so they weren't That's happy good. with the first result and they defib me on the second was uh, on the second time um yeah and i wanted to say uh, leading on from that it was very funny because funny um after i you know got up and running uh, not quite running but up out of bed and back home and was weak but i lost 6 kilograms in the, in the space of those 10 days actually um and seeing as i had no fat to lose anyway to lose 6 kilograms you can imagine was a lot um anyway i went back to the organizer of the that mini tri- that triathlon that event and uh and he looked like he'd seen a ghost when i walked in but anyway um and I, i got from him the names of the people who'd helped me and and i wrote to them and we organized a sort of a life saving dinner to say thank you me what do you do what, how do you thank somebody who saved your life right well we started by organizing a dinner and it was very funny because the message i sent to dr ralph and philip befrever who was the other guy i said like the last time you saw me you were busy breaking my rib. <laughs> because the point is and it's not a, it's not it's not a trivial point um if you're doing CPR properly you will break ribs yeah uh that's something that also for your listeners to know if you're doing CPR don't be afraid to push that extra however many centimeters and you might hear ribs crack apparently but you have to do that to do it properly and so i wrote to them uh the, the last time you saw me you were busy breaking my ribs and when we met in the restaurant for the first time afterwards they they it was with my wife and my sister and my daughter were there and they you know we greeted each other and kissed and hugged and whatever and they said well I don't need to kiss this guy I've already kissed him 100 times <laughs> <laughs> oh that was a special kiss it was a special kiss of life you know that that you received totally but I, but i think the privilege is you know that this is a very profound story and i think you know the fact that you had this you know life changing event tell us how your life has changed you know what, what right. sort of this sliding door metaphor you know yeah, you crossed over yeah. to the other side and we pulled you right back you weren't ready to let we weren't ready to let you go or you weren't ready to to sort of cross that bridge and you've come back and 
now you've had this this sort of obviously light bulb epiphany that all was not right and yeah what are you doing about it okay that yeah that's that's really cool i mean obviously um you know you come out of this and you're thinking oh you know well first of all i mean now i still ask the question why did i survive or why am i still here you know i mean it the probability of me surviving, as you mentioned, is, you know, there was, it could have easily gone the other way. So why am I still here? What was I doing wrong? I thought I was doing everything right. And mm. um, first of all, I'll be honest, uh, people give me advice and what I should do and read and stuff. I mean, not the doctors, we'll talk about that another time um, or talk about that later, but someone gave me the book called the Chinese, the China study, I believe, uh, which is about a massive, the world's biggest study about heart disease and, and, and nutrition. And the China study tended to suggest, well, that's the medical term for said actually outright, tended to suggest that a vegetarian diet or a, a minimum meat diet uh, will help you protect you from heart attack. So I actually embarked on a course of vegetarian and veganism for a year, thinking this was the way to go. Um, and then I got my blood results after a year of this, and they were very bad poor very poor I won't go into detail but they were very poor it hadn't helped me one bit being vegetarian or vegan. it hadn't helped me I'm not saying it's for everybody but it hadn't helped me quite the reverse yeah so then they went back to back to doing some research back to what you know what else is there out there uh and then I stumbled across actually uh, another a epiphany moment is and it's one of the beauties of uh, YouTube um, I was looking for, you know, you start doing your research about cardiovascular disease and heart attacks and all this. And in the algorithms, it pops up what else you might be interested in. And the algorithm popped up that I might be interested in some guy called Ivor Cummins and uh, what he was talking about. So I tuned into one of his talks about metabolic health. Um, and I'm like, what? Uh, I've been under you know, care from cardiologists and doctors and management for like a year, 18 months now, nobody's ever talked to me about, you know, metabolic health. Everybody yep. talks to me about, sorry to say this, everyone talks to me about cholesterol, yes. LDL cholesterol, LPA. No one's talking to me about diet, nutrition, uh, low carb. Or, uh, so anyway, so I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is incredible. This is amazing. And, and, and then on the back of that, um, I watched Ivor's video, The Widowmaker, Again, if anybody's not watched it, I fully recommend it. I can remember exactly if you want to hear the story. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was sat there with my iPad and I chewed into this Widowmaker film and I literally sat there for 45 minutes crying my eyes out mm. because I'm like, oh, my God, this is my story. This is my story. If you, anyone who knows the film, it starts off with the wife calling 911 America um, because her husband just had a heart attack and she doesn't know what to do. And he's dropped dead in front of her. Um, and I'm like geez, this is, this is me. Yeah. So I listened to the Widowmaker and then after that, the Extra Time movie and I'm like, wow, this is just incredible. There's like lots of really positive advice about how I can turn the game around. Um, and then as I mentioned before we started, I started stalking Ivor and his, and his colleagues and eventually came to talk to him and, 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 and now um, happily working with him um, and going down uh, much more down the route of uh, metabolic health, uh, uh, low carb, high fat nutrition, um, like, like yourselves with keto. Um, and yeah, and I talked to Ivor, um, and basically like yourselves, he was talking to a lot of very high level doctors. And in fact, the very first 
appointment we had to talk, he had to text me and said, oh, sorry, Mark, Dr. So-and-so, Professor Dr. So-and-so, Nobel Prize winner, winner has just said he can talk to me for half an hour. Can I push you back half an hour? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what a pathetic excuse is that? <laughs> he's talking to Professor Nobel Prize winners. And then afterwards, he's talking to me, Billy Nomates in Berlin about heart, <laughs> you know, and that was so funny. Anyway, so then we started to, to work together. And I said, but Ivor, you know, it's really interesting because you're talking to these really, you know, top draw experts in cardiovascular disease. I've come from completely the other side. You know, I've been on the cat lab, the slab. I've been talking to the cardiologist, listening to their management, listening to their advice, taking their pills. Let's not forget. How about if we sort of team up a little bit and I talk about it more from the patient perspective about building awareness of the dangers of heart attack, what you can do to avoid it and what happens, you know, what the, the processes, the procedures that you go through from, from a patient perspective, rather than just look, you know, looking down at, Oh, this is what we do. This is what we do. Um, and he was on board. He said, Mark, great idea. Let's go for it. And um, this was the birth of uh, We Love Our Heart, which is uh, We Love Our Heart is a platform that I've we've been working on for over a year now, um, which is a self-help platform to build the awareness of heart disease, uh, to basically say, hey, guys, look at me. I'm a I was a very fit 55 year old with no real previous idea of what was going on. And yet I was struck down and I kind of figured I'm not alone in this. There are many people, guys and girls, there are many people who think I'm fit, I'm healthy, I'm doing sport, I'm feeling good. But the thing about the heart is you, unless you really know where to look, you can't see what's going on. No. And, and, and again, to paraphrase Ivor, there's no such thing as a surprise heart attack if you know where to look. There are uh, there are some surprise heart attacks like Christian Sorensen or something like, you know, the, the young guys who have the electrical faults. But generally speaking, um, you can you can see some the onset of something like this coming if you know where to look. And that's the trick. You have to know where to look. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to that's what we're trying to share with other people. Yeah, and raise awareness that there is a different way to to examine it and look at it. And, it, and it's been going on for decades, probably. And, and if you don't mind me just picking up on the story, uh, the other reason, uh, the, 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 the basis behind We Love a Heart, which you, which you all love as well, is that um, after my incident in 218, my event, uh, I was under management. Obviously, I had a great cardiologist. I love him, Dr. Crisper. He knows uh, he saved my life, no question. I was on his cat lab um, that evening, put three stents in. Um, but after three or four or five or three months, I think we went back for the post, you know, the first post checkup, been on the stress machine, uh, was doing fine. Um, and I then sat down in his surgery with my wife. Uh, obviously, she's very much involved in all of this process, Steffi, um, and listened to Dr. Crisper. And he said, yeah, look, you know, uh, the results are very good. There doesn't seem to be any long-term damage, a little bit of damage on the heart, but you, you're making a good recovery. And then Steffi was like, oh, the, this is good, but what, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? You know, exercise has always been very important to Mark. Um, you know, should he carry on exercising? To what level? How often? And he was like, yes, exercise. Yes, it's good. Uh, yes, Mark, you've got to carry on. Um, not to the level you were, but it's important to do a bit of exercise. So, you know, 130 pulse or something maximum. Right. And then Steffi said, what about nutrition? Uh, what should Mark eat? What should Mark avoid eating? Should mm. he eat nuts, olive oils? Uh, you know, what meat? 
Should he avoid eating meat? What there? And he went, drop in the ocean. Forget it. Mr. Felstead, you're you're under under, uh, medical management now. Take the pills. See you again in six months. Doesn't matter what you eat. Not going to make any difference whatsoever. Um. Literally, although I love the guy, that is exactly what he said. And we both walked out of the surgery and looked at at each other. And I just said, I just don't believe that. I'm just not buying that. There must be more I can do. What made you think that? Because most people would just do exactly what he said. Think diet has got nothing to do with it. I need to take the pills. What? What? What inside you? Oh, different. I, t- I can't. I honestly can't answer that. I just. I just. Maybe just the you know the kind of person I am is like you know who always you know asking, uh, wanting to know more and asking more and you know um the body's a wonderful thing you know a fantastic thing but and it's full of mysteries so that you know whether it's you know spirituality or meditation or whatever there's, there's there are probably many different little answers i mean we all we all know moving forward and you know don't get me wrong and don't don't get um for all your listeners too there is no silver bullet to heart disease that's for sure i can no matter what i do i cannot there is no 100 guarantee of anything yeah. you know and whether it's the pills, whether it's the you know meditation, whether it's the sport, whether it's the the nutrition, I, there's no hundred percent guarantee. But I am pretty sure, hundred percent sure, I can. There are some things I can manage myself, and that's what it's about. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But it's really interesting because, like, obviously, you know, Steffi was onto something, right? Because she was asking these questions, and then she's yeah. what she's doing is this elimination. You know, where. If you were an obese male that was particularly, um, you know, tucking into fast food, then the doctor would have said, yes, you do need to exercise. Yes, you do need to look at your diet. But you were this lean, mean, you know, exercise machine. He was like he was grasping at straws, really. You know, but Steffi was saying, well, well, what more could this man do? Yeah, interesting. In moving forward. So the doctor was just going, well, the only thing that I can do for you, Mr. Forstead, is take my pills. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And just uh, if, I, if, if I just share that little story with you as well, it was quite funny because usually after a heart attack, uh, they send you to a three-week rehab. You go to a clinic and, and I was sitting, and, and the same session that we're sitting in the surgery and he said, well, usually at this sort of time, we would recommend you go for a three-week rehab. But he said, Looking at you, uh, first of all, I've got a young, beautiful wife. I mean, she's quite a lot, a bit younger than me, but she's very beautiful. And he said, first of all, you don't fall into the category of the guys who actually look forward to three weeks away from the missus. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, he says, what are you going to learn there? You're going to be sitting next to guys who are learning not to smoke, learning to reduce their fat content and learning how to use an ergometer. So you just, it's just, you're just not going to enjoy that. So there's just no point. So just carry on doing what, you know, you do your own rehab, which I did. Um, So yeah, exactly that. But totally we were like, no, I just, I don't get this. And there must be more. And what we've discovered is, or what I've discovered for myself there, there is a lot I can do. There is really a lot I can do. And this is what I like to share with others with We Love Our Heart and with Iva and what we're trying to do to say to guys and girls, look, not, there is none of this is a death penalty, whether it's, uh, you know, high cholesterol, whether it's high LPLA, whether it's a high CAC score, ca- calcium score showing high calcification, none of this is a death penalty. There's stuff you can do against it. Um, but sure, you should get it checked in the first place. 
yeah. to see where you are. Um, but then there's things you can do uh, and you can work with it. Do you know what your LDL was before or just prior to having your heart attack? Um, yeah, more or less. Yeah, I'm, I think they were called uh, familiar. Uh, high, uh, anyway, I've, I've got a high cholesterol. Okay. Um, I've got uh, my, I always say my bad boy is probably LP little a, which is the, uh, the small, another part of uh, LDL. Um, yeah. If, uh, do, you, do you want the figures? I've got the figures. I mean, my figures were, I think my, I just told somebody yesterday, I think my total is about 260. Um, and at the time my LDL was about, was about 160, but my HDL was quite low, about 40. Um, and my tricks were quite high about 90. Now, um, without getting too medical and i know you're going to say we don't offer any medical advice here but since i have since then i have switched to the low carb high fat uh, slash keto slash carnivore diet and uh, for example my uh, hdl which people wrongly call the good cholesterol but there are many reasons why it's, you should increase it my hdl has doubled and my trigs have dropped down so what we look for is the hdl trig ratio yeah. uh, and i'm in the very safe area now my trigs are half what they used to be my ldl is twice what it used to be so that's a four times improvement in risk management in terms of that particular marker yeah. and that is more or less exclusively brought on by nutrition yeah that's amazing i, I was just curious because um they say that you have to get have low ldl to avoid a heart attack but actually people with low dl still have heart attacks so and we know from the metabolic markers that ldl doesn't appear in any of the five markers it's it's not a number of relevance so it's not to say that it's not significant but it's not as significant as i think people like to think it is no i think without being very technical or anything but it's i think our opinion is, and I'm talking about a bunch of a whole bunch of experts. It's a very uh, low risk marker. There are many other markers which gives you. Sorry, it's a low low accuracy for the for the risk that it shows you. Yeah. Uh, there are other markers in your blood which gives you a, a much more accurate prediction of risk yeah. for heart disease or other diseases. And I know that the, the the figure that we often quote or hear quoted is that your your uh, longevity, your long term mortality is uh, the, actually um, there is a, a sweet spot of LDL, which is what would, most people would consider high, but it actually aids to your long life in other respects, like the function of your brain, the defense against Alzheimer's and these sort of things later on in life. So yeah. to completely destroy your LDL is a, also a bit of a risky policy, actually, but I'm no expert, so yeah. talk to the experts we're about not, that. We're not medical people. It's just what we're learning, what we're finding out. Yeah. Sorry, did you end up having your calcium scan? Um, okay, so again, I can paraphrase Ivor here. I have what is called now a full metal jacket. That means I have so many stents in me that a calcium score wouldn't make any sense at all because the the, the stents internally reflect the, the radiation, or sorry, the x-rays, oh. so I wouldn't get a meaningful oh, that result. that makes sense. Yeah, that makes but sense. I ha- and I hadn't had one before, and the question is, and this is the thing for everybody who's listening who m- might have an issue, a calcium score is still the the most accurate non-invasive way to look for a uh, potential risk of having a heart attack without mm. doubt yeah when we think about people having heart attacks we tend to think of overweight people that are smokers and drinkers and um eating rubbishy food you know that's our stereotypical thoughts about it but you 
were very slim. So talk to us about Tofi, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. Okay, terrific. Well, funnily enough, uh, that was a term that came to me through uh, work with another guy, Graham Phillips and his diabetes. And he uh, basically said to me, oh, Mark, I think you might be Tofi or you sound to me like you're Tofi. And I'm like, what the hell's Tofi? And he said, yeah, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. Because as you said, I'm, I was a very slim guy, but obviously I had issues with the, the fat, whether it's in my lipids, whether it's in my visceral fat around my liver and my heart. Um, there is something not 100% right there, but it's nothing that you could see. And much as I love the guy, I was talking to Jeremy Vine on his radio program last week, mm -hmm. and he actually said, oh, so if I understand right, Dr. Sarah Jarvis, if I'm looking at a, a guy naked, or if I'm looking at myself naked in front of the mirror, I can see if I'm Tofi because I will see I have love handles and a belly fat. Well, no, it's exactly the opposite. The idea of Tofi is that you cannot see what's going on. You can be slim on the outside like myself, but you cannot see what's going on around your organs. And that's the very dangerous fat. I mean, belly fat in itself is not great, but uh, the visceral fat around your organs is even more yeah. um, a risk factor in terms of heart disease and other, other nasty things. Yeah. So yeah, that is what Tofi is. And um the good news is, and uh, again, I'm happy. I uh, just got a mail, mail from him just now, Donald Collins. I've uh, been working with him on some of his insulin testing kits because there's blood sugar and there's insulin, so, as I'm sure you know, and insulin management, insulin resistance, metabolic health is another key marker. And on Friday, I did with Donald together, we did a live um, insulin test called a craft test, which is a, a test where I take a load of sugar, watch my blood sugar spike, my insulin spike. But importantly, I see how it um, decreases over the next three to four hours, um, because that is the acid test. People who are pre-diabetic or diabetic, their, their blood sugars and their insulin are going to stay quite high after a sugar spike um and happily to say my insulin reacted very uh, normally so in the three years or the 18 months shall we say since i've started down the course of uh, um low carb high fat i am now insulin sensitive which means that my insulin responds very normally it spikes up with sugar but then it drops relatively quickly down to its normal level so that i haven't got lots of insulin flowing around with me after should i go down that route and that is probably you know and i always imagine you have to imagine that insulin or a blood sugar in your blood or insulin in your blood is i always imagine it's kind of like you know it's like sandpaper on your arteries basically the insulin is what you know rips or you know abrases the inside of your arteries and for me the the, the logic thing is that your body's natural healing system is to put a cholesterol patch on it yeah. And then the, the buildup of cholesterol is possibly potentially it's still heavily disgusted, but I'm on Malcolm Kendrick's side It's possibly uh, basically an overreaction of your body trying to uh, repair what's happened to your arteries yeah. rather than it because you have too much cholesterol per se in your bloodstream. Yeah, it's a protective mechanism to patch up the damage with my yeah. others. That's the way I like to think about it. And that's the. It's not the it's not the ultimate answer, and there are you know, but that's for me that's a nice logical way of thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so as I say, it was good news for me last week that um, that it seems to have my insulin under control after um, following advice from people like yourselves and people like Ivor with his eat rich, live long, and uh, low carb, high fat. And this test, 
that Donald Collins does. Is that a test you can do at home, or do you have, did you have to go somewhere to have it done? Oh, Jackie, <laughs> you'd think you'd, I'd set up this conversation, but really <laughs> I haven't. Um, uh, Donald Collins uh, works together with a company called Metabolic, and Metabolic are one are unique in the world of providing um, home insulin measurement kits. Now, I stress that again because I have my Dr. Ralph Heinrich. He's one of the best holistic, integrated uh, doctors' practices in Berlin, in Germany. And um, we've uh, the, 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 gold, the golden standard for insulin is something called the Kraft test, which is this: you take 75 grams of glucose, and then you watch how your blood sugars and your insulin to tracks over time. It is incredibly difficult to find a surgery, a GP, a practice, a, a primary healthcare um, physician who will offer you a craft test for various reasons. We don't need to go there now, but it basically is a three hour long test. Yeah. And even Ralph couldn't offer me that. Um, what what uh, Matt, uh, what Donal, uh, together with Metabolic, offers, he has a home, a home kit. It costs a bit, but I invested in it. I have a home kit. And then you can literally do it from a finger prick. So it's a little bit more blood than a diabetes finger prick. But from a finger prick, you can conduct your own insulin measurement kit. And this is a, a massive breakthrough in the field of uh, insulin uh, metabolic health and, and especially diabetes. Diabetes, as again, to paraphrase the statistics, I think 80% of Americans are pre-diabetic or diabetic. It's, an, it's a massive issue at the moment. And... Yeah. Sorry, I'm sounding like I'm on my soapbox here. 80, but I'm 88% I'm, have at least one metabolic marker. Yeah. There we go. And we know that type 2 diabetes leads to what we call type 3 diabetes these days, which is Alzheimer's, and type 4 diabetes these days, which is Parkinson's. And it's very interesting. Sorry, I had this discussion last week. It's very interesting that, it, um, Jackie Louise, if I talk to somebody about having a sudden heart attack, and even now, many people, like your brother-in-law, many people say, oh, it's not going to happen to me. I'm fit. I know a guy down the road, he had one, but I'm not like him. Mm. Right? But if I talk to you, I mean, the fear factor is there, but it's not massive. If I talk to you about Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, if I talk to you about the fact that in 20 years, you're going to be sitting in a wheelchair and you won't recognize your daughter, right? You won't be, and you'll have to be fed. That some people, for some reason, that, that's much more of a, a, a warning signal for many people. This idea of you know in, in, uh, being in uh, incapable of you know con, you know social interaction with their own family or recognizing their own family, their own family being able having to be looking after them. So they are, so what I'm saying is that a lot of the things that you could do today will, will help avoid some of the issues you might grab uh, might hit you later on. Yeah, definitely really interesting because Jackie's been doing her primal studies her primal yeah her primal nutrition studies and um Jackie was saying she came across this um you know why some people do and don't actually respond to as you said that sort of change and it takes a long time for some people to really contemplate you know that information and that imagery and it's not until it's close in their little network that they will move from that sort of yeah it won't happen to me or it could happen to me and they weigh up those sorts of risks but getting people to move to action that's a real has to have a real strong motivation for for, for that kind of change 
So, um, but you've taken some significant changes because you said you're not only are you low carb, um, you're keto carnivore. So that's that's sort of you've gone from you know the carb loading days now to almost <laughs> like zero carbs. So what's a what's a usual day of sort of nutrition for you? Oh, that's a good question too. But um, basically, I've just have it just now. I have my um, my perfect omelette for breakfast, which is four eggs, uh, parmesan cheese, and a bit of cottage cheese in there to make it nice and creamy, cooked in butter or coconut oil. Depends. Love it every day. Um, I would do intermittent fasting actually, but I'm still trying to put on weight um, from some other issues that I had last year. But never mind. Um, and then. I probably we then focus on another big meal late afternoon. So not uh, not evening, but late afternoon. Um, my favorite foods there are beef brisket, uh, steak, fish. Um, the top tip for me is uh, uh, that I don't know what is exactly what it's called in English because I buy it in the German super uh, German butchers. But uh, bone marrow, I love bone marrow. Bone marrow is uh, a massively underestimated food. And if you buy a beef brisket, it comes around the bone marrow. So I fry that and then make a broth out of it. So you've got the bone broth, you've got the beef from the beef brisket, and you've got the bone marrow. And bone marrow is, for me, is the, uh, is the sugar substitute. Mm. It's like, oh, it just slips down. And oh, I just love the taste of bone marrow. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And and, and then you have this, you've got the, uh, the bone... Um, sorry, the, 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 the bone stock afterwards, the bone broth. Yeah. And you can use that in many other things that helps to cook livers. Um, it, you know, strengthens soups and many of the other things that we, that I do, because I'm sitting here in the, the mid of the, uh, the potato growing area of Germany. It's like the key, most, the most fertile soil in Germany. So I literally have lunch with my uh, parents-in-law today. And of course, I will have to have a little bit of potato because it's just not, you know, they will frown upon me heavily if I push my potatoes to the side of the plate. But so I'm not pure, pure carnivore. I still eat a bit of above ground vegetables and occasionally a bit of potato. So, but that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. In term, um, and I, many people say you're missing out. I'm not really missing. I don't feel I'm missing out. The other, the other, another top tip is um, things like pasta. I allow myself, you know, once or twice a month to eat pasta but um, you probably heard this before that if you cook it first, let it cool down and then reheat it. It also reduces the GI, the um, the hit on your blood sugars. So reheated pasta is uh, every now and again acceptable as well. <laughs> yeah, the resistant starch. Resistant starch. starch. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So are you exercising? You're back. You sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were yeah. told not uh, to uh, do 130. No, I was. They, the doctor said I should push my pulse to only 130, whereas mm -hmm. I used to train in the, the red area, 170, 100, 100, top 170. Um, but yeah, I do quite a bit of cycling. Still, I'm still pretty fit on the bike. Could still whip the arse of most people on the bike without pushing it too hard. Running, um, my wife's given me pulled a bit of a red card on that because. Uh, the incident happened when I was running and she's not so keen about me running. And it, it's hard. It's hard for me to run and keep my pulse way down. You know what I mean? It, generally, first of all, running involves many muscles and your pulse goes up anyway. And secondly, I've, ju I've just got my running speed. It's just like I can't run slow. Yeah. <laughs> it just does, doesn't feel natural to run slow. So that's the speed I run. And then, oh, 160, I better slow down. I can't so run she's fast. like, Mark. <laughs> And she's like, oh, I'll take I a break from run. running, but <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> no. But otherwise I do more, um, I do a bit more strength training, like, uh, you know, push-ups, planks, 
uh, things like this. Um, and what I should work on, which I don't uh, enough, is uh, flexibility, because there's a wonderful Chinese proverb that says, an inch on your tendons is 10 years on your life. Oh. So if you if you could become more flexible, that's also probably another great aid to longevity. And you probably while we talk about longevity, there's a really there's a really cool test that you can do literally while people are listening to this. I won't do it now because we're on, on we're recording. But if you stand up, literally find a bit of space, stand up, cross your arms, try and sit down yeah. with your legs crossed. Right. Getting down is one thing. Now get back up again with your arms still folded. And if you can do this, and many people can, that's a 10. But for every time you touch the floor or need support, you take a point off. So, and apparently that is a good definition of your longevity. I can only do a nine. I can get down, no problem. I still cannot get up. I've got a friend of mine. He can get down and get up like he could do that, you know, 10 times a day. No problem at all. Did you Just hear that from Brian Phillips? Uh, no, where did we, uh, or maybe maybe it was Graham who put us on this, but I think it was I think it's known as one of the easy longevity tests. It's yeah. quite cool. I can do it. Yeah. Now, if you, if you go back five years, I couldn't heave myself off the floor, even with my hand or being on my knees, my hands on the floor. I could not get up. I needed a piece of furniture to pull up on. Okay. Um, and now I can put my hands on my head. I do it with my hands on my head, and I can get down okay. and get up again. Wow, awesome. That's yeah. super. Um, what's the trick? Because I'm still, I'm still, and don't say losing weight because I can't lose any more weight. What's that? I'm still trying to work on that. Yeah, no, I don't know. And it, when I first started doing it, I had to, so I go down on my knees and then I had got on and I sort of had to rock myself onto my knees to get up, but I don't have to do that anymore. I just cool. get up. I don't know. Practice, yeah. practice. Maybe I can offer a bit of insight here because um, I'm not a runner, so I'm not the greyhound. Um, to the listeners at home, this is looking looking at Mark. He's just such a greyhound. Um, so I'm your I'm your um, your stodgy. Maybe it's my Irish my Irish stock. So I was built for you know working in the fields, you know digging up the potatoes. So I've got a very low center of gravity. Like I've got a big bum basically. So when I was doing lots of weightlifting, so lots of squats and the deadlifts and that sort of stuff. So that was really good. I've got really strong um, like quads. I can drive that. But because I'm one of these really odd people that um, like my center of gravity, so I can get down. But like Jackie, it's about getting back up. You know, it's really about the hip flexors. So it's about your hip flexors. So working on that and your ankle strength. So they're the two pivot points for you to be able to get down and to get back up when, particularly when you're doing, um, when you're doing the back squats. Okay, cool. So that's something that I've been working on in terms of, in terms of flexibility. So I did a lot of um, work around my hip flexors and my ankles. Okay, cool. Well, what I'd, what I'd like to mention is, um, is what we're doing with We Love Our Heart. And yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So how that has developed incredibly. We've got quite a big, generally quite a big community now, and I'm entirely grateful for everybody who's joined. And the, the mails they send me are amazing looking for help because we seem to have really struck a vein from people who either have had red flags with cholesterol or family heart issues or friends who've had heart attacks. And also just those who are like getting from their GP the feeling just not telling me everything there must be more I can do which was you know basically where I came from too 
Um, we've taken that a little bit further. We've called, got a, what I'm very proud of is what we've got the called our, my pioneer group. Um, and my pioneers are people that come with me and Ivor and, um, and do a three month program where we really deep dive into their individual issues, uh, education, sport, exercise, nutrition, how we can help them. And, and I think Louise, as you said as well, lay the foundation for some life-changing habits because that's what it's about it's you know we all know the 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 yo-yo effect of this kind of diet and that kind of diet which is much more interesting or more important is to lay down some foundations for habits that you can keep doing for the rest of your life that are going to extend the rest of your life okay Mm -hmm. so that also includes other things like you know sleep management meditation blood sugar management uh, and blood generally blood data management we all we believe very strongly that you should know your blood scores as well or as good as your doctor so to speak even better in some cases um so we've been running this pioneer program now for the last uh nearly a year now i'm on the third program now and it's proving really i get great feedback from the guys and they're all doing really well and i love it and i love them and we're on the back of this we're about to launch something called we love our heart live which i really implore you and your listeners to get involved with because i'm literally writing out the list of speakers who are coming to join us it's a one-day online conference um educational uh with speakers and workshops and as well as being hosted by Ivor and myself Ivor Cummins and we have some really top guys that we've mentioned already Donald Collins Graham Phillips Dr Scott Murray uh, but also Malcolm Kendrick Dr William Davis from Wheat Belly and uh Supergut uh we so we Dr Thomas Levy about um oral hygiene there's some incredible things there we're trying to cover many aspects uh, that could affect heart disease and cardiovascular disease and setting into uh, basically setting into place some good habits and some good educational um, experience so you can find out what might be your issue and how best to deal with it. Yeah, fantastic. And when is that happening? Oh, yeah, sorry, April the 9th, so not too far away. Um, I'm guessing there'll be a link uh, attached to this podcast where people can find out more information, sign up, book their seats because this is quite a unique it will be quite a unique event because it's more patient driven than you know uh farmer driven shall we say um yep. so it'll be very uh, very open discussions about uh diet nutrition cholesterol yeah sleep yeah so we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes. thank you so much thank you and, looking forward um, to that and we'll mention it in the outro when we do the outro as well because you haven't got the links yet have you so we'll do I'm that working on it today or yeah. tomorrow yeah. So when this by the time this comes out we'll have all the information there you go fantastic yeah so what what does the rest of 2022 bring for you <laughs> well it's it's no flippant question jackie because i can tell you both um it wasn't that long ago i would just be happy to see the end of the month literally yeah it wasn't that long ago i'd be happy to see you know my next summer it wasn't that long ago i'm happy to see my next birthday at the moment, the place I'm in, again, no guarantees, oh, but uh, I feel very confident what I'm doing, where I am. Um, and 2022 is all about we love our heart, building our community, helping others, uh, sharing with them awareness of heart disease, awareness of what they can do to cure heart disease other than just take a statin, nothing against statins, but there's more to you can do than just take your statin. Um, and see where that goes, develop it. Uh, I say we're launching the live conference, maybe another couple of pioneer groups. I'm not sure yet, Um, but just 
keep going in this space and keep the message out there and because it's it's a vision for me and it's a drive for me you know it's it's back to where we started and i don't want to be too you know philosophical about the whole thing but it's about answering the question why am i still here yeah and one of the reasons i'm still here is possibly to help others to avoid what i've had to go through more moreover what my family's had to go through yeah i wasn't in any pain i woke up yeah they had to do the pain and the shadow the shadow of that pain lingers there's no question yeah probably every time you go out the door they're worried about getting a phone call yeah listen my my uh, yeah absolutely my wife hates unknown phone calls when she sees yeah. something it's a little uh, there's a little bit cooler now but yeah it's three years you know so yeah uh, I want. To, I would like to save everybody from that kind of, you know, suffering, that kind of tragedy, if possible. I mean, it's not a tragedy because I'm still here and I'm, I'm alive and I'm feeling great and I'm happy and I'm the luckiest man alive, rather than the, rather than the victim. Um, but it, 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 you don't have to go there. You can do stuff today that can start helping towards a healthier and longer life. Yeah, it's As never it, too late. It's never too late to start. Yeah, you know the Chinese proverb, when's the best time to start to plant a tree 20 years ago or today? The best time is today, yeah. Yeah. And I have, you know, I work with people in their 70s, so they're, they're, they're starting to make those changes at, even in their 70s. So whatever they do will be absolutely beneficial yeah. to their longevity. Cool. Yeah. Cool. But what I'm really hearing is that you've you've really embraced this opportunity, that you've really taken this gift, you know, and it, it is a through this, I was going to say tragedy, but through this event, as you call it, this event, you know, you've had this awareness and this enlightenment and you've really opened up to this opportunity to really pay it forward as, as like Jackie and I are doing to sort of say, well, I can spare you that pain if you think about all of these things, you know, come along on the 9th of April and we will share with you some of this particular experience. And I think that in itself is the gift that keeps on giving, is it? Is it not, you know? And you just <laughs> yeah. only have to really, as you say, you spare the pain of, you know, when, when your wife sort of has that sort of ringing phone call, you know, that sort of fear, you know, and we don't want to be living in fear of the what ifs. You know, you're really being mindful that this is the now, this is the knowledge that we have now, this is what we can do for you now. And let's let's share share that wisdom. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a real privilege for you. And thank you for 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 taking up, you know, taking on and taking up. Well, I think it's a real you. a real privilege that you're doing, paying it for pleasure. And thank you for the invite. It's been great meeting you guys. Yeah. So tell people how they can find you online on social media. Okay. Well, pretty, pretty much it's around the We Love Our Heart. So there's www.weloveourheart.com. Uh, and there'll be a link there, obviously, to the We Love Our Heart Live on April the 9th. Um, and I also have a podcast called We Love Our Heart, simply. Uh, and you can find that on iTunes and Spotify. And you can see some of the great guys who've taken their time to talk to me um and also spread their spread their wisdom basically uh, and should we say try and try and fight against the narrative there is a, a a narrative in cardiology that most of the doctors stick to and we are offering a alternative in terms of um an, an option an option yeah. to learn a yeah. little bit more um and to do to do positive things that can 
help yourself, help your heart and help your risk of um, or lower your risk of having an event, basically. Yeah. And there's there's lots and lots of cardiologists who are on board with this low carb way. I mean, I could probably name half a dozen or more off the top of my head. So yeah. it's not so far out that, you know, nobody's talking about it or nobody's doing it. So it's really worth, you know, if you do have a heart issue or you're concerned about it, you know, find out from all these. Yeah, get a, what do they call it? Get a find an integrated cardiologist, get into second opinion. And, and if you need help with that, get in touch with me. We've got a just like yourselves. We've got a list of guys we work with across the globe. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, Mark, you gave us um, one top tip. I did. Uh, I forgot to write this down, but there was one top tip about the resistance starch pasta. And we normally conclude the podcast with with some top tips. I think there was a second top tip. Did you say about bone marrow? Was it? Was that oh, a, yeah, bone marrow, a delicious? Bone I could see. I could see your eyes glazing bone over, broth. and your lips were. Mm. bone broth yeah get into get into the habit of it's not it's a, a very good and actually a very reasonable source of um meat is the buying the bones with a bit of bone marrow in them from uh, beef or uh, yeah beef i guess is the best and um, and i think we call it beef brisket which means you buy a slice of beef with the bone still in it so to speak like a steak it's not quite a steak but um and you cook that and then you have the on the back of that you have the bone broth and the bone marrow so as i say you can use the bone broth for other things and bone broth is widely considered in in our health world as the superfood one of the superfoods also for things like leaky gut indigestion and gut issues bone broth is also fantastic so yeah, yeah. my top so anyway, tip nutritionally let- is bone broth yes come up let tell us your three top tips <laughs> well actually i guess my three top tips would be start meditating yeah? yeah i mean three years ago i was i'd be like spirituality you must be joking nothing to do with it. i don't want any of that stuff now i meditate religiously every morning um i have a very great routine of um, meditation breathing and wait for this top tip hydrogen peroxide vaporized three percent Three percent, not the stuff you use to bleach your hair, but three percent or less. But we've uh, we recommend vaporizing it, which uh, helps clear up your uh, airwaves and fights against um, nasty viruses as well. But it's also very good for your uh, overall health. So, uh, so I have a very good uh, regi- regime in the morning, which is uh, breathing exercises, um, vaporized uh, hydrogen peroxide, uh, and meditation. And the other thing is also um, oral hygiene is quite important for heart disease. It's a fairly unknown or untalked about topic. So my other top tip would be to get what the Americans call a water pick to clean your, help clean your teeth and also to put 3% hydrogen peroxide watered, diluted down so you can taste it, but clean your teeth with a water pick. Yeah. After, well, brush your teeth, but clean clean out your teeth with a water pick. Right. Yeah. So I listened to your podcast with um, Dr. Dr. Thomas Levy. Guy's and, crazy. And a, I, I mean, crazy in a positive sense. The guy's amazing. Yeah. So I've got a water pick and I hardly ever used it, but I would floss and use the interdental brushes. But now I've stopped all that and I just use the water pick every night. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, Dr. Thomas Levy, I, I tell you, we, he's been on. He's been in our pioneer group twice. He's brilliant. Both times, 
I, and you've seen how I can talk. I literally could not talk for an hour and a half afterwards. I literally, I was so gobsmacked by what he said because it so was like, oh my God, that's me. Oh my God. Yeah. So, and he's coming into uh, We Love Our Heart Live. He's agreed to take part as well, straight off the bat. Amazing guy. Love him. Fabulous. Great. Mark, thank you so much for your so time much. today and sharing your story. It, it, it gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. And I've heard it several times. <laughs> thank you. Well, yeah. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's been great. Great meeting you guys. And I hope this is uh, the beginning. What is it? What is it? Hope this is beginning of a long friendship. Yeah, hopefully. Lovely. Yes. Great. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much. Becky, Mark's story, as I said in the intro, really resonated on a number of levels for me. One, you know, in my clinical experience as a paramedic, having attended patients in cardiac arrest, as well as, as this is, we'll know about my my own motorcycle accident where I had the had the unfortunate oh unfortunate opportunity to confront my own mortality and you know there's a number of things that I think oh you know it it's like yes I understand what Mark is going through it's really hard to sort of hear you know, you could hear the crackle in his voice that this is three years down the track. It's still a significant, um, a significant event for him. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, he, he can't think ahead, you know, can't start planning ahead because he doesn't know, you know, what's going to happen today, what's going to happen next week, what's going to happen next month. Is I think it sounds like he's getting there, but it still sounds quite challenging for him to plan. And think ahead. But I think what helped me, and I can hear that also in Mark, he says that he meditates. And I think that that's a really fantastic tool to be mindful. And you could see that he does that every day. He does his meditation practice, that mindfulness where he can sit and just be present. So you, you can see how the value of his holistic approach now, you know, to food, nutrition, sleep. And mindfulness is really helping him move forward after, you know, really a significant event like an um, out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Yeah. And also, you know, he he was very fit. He was doing things that I don't I don't even dream of, <laughs> you know, and and yet and yet he he wasn't fit. So what appears on the outside to be fitness on the inside is not fit at all. And he used the word tofu. And you can sort of see how challenging that was when he went, you know, for the follow-up, you know, with the cardiologist. So here's a man that had 10% body fat, that exercised, that, you know, appeared to be obviously low fat because he had low body fat, but yet his body um, certainly told a different story. Mm. Yeah. And it's not always visible and it's not that every obese person is unfit or every thin person is fit. I think we need to remember that. So, dear listeners, there was nothing more funny than two middle-aged women taking up Mark's suggestion to do the sit-stand test. Um, so before we started the recording, I said to Jackie, 
what's this? Am I doing this correctly? Trying to sort of sit down and get up with my um, my low center of gravity, Northern European, you know, body counterweight. And um, yeah, it certainly was the funniest thing to, to certainly, um, poor Jackie had to watch me struggle getting up, but I think I did, did okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's the official way you have to do it. We, I've just found out there is an official way. You just showed me there is an official way. But, yeah, we both got down. We both got up. That's good. Eventually, but yeah. But I think the public health message for me and, you know, I'd press upon the listeners for three things. If anything from Mark's story, action, aside from obviously, you know, following up on, on medical screening that you may wish to, to look at to see how, how um, your, car, your heart health is. Number one, learn CPR. So take some CPR um, classes. So normally they do the public um, CPR classes are only two days for a basic um, basic CPR. Or if you haven't, if you have done it, then your reaccreditation day, one day a year. Number two. Please know where your automatic external defibrillator, AED, is. So that's at work, at your school, at your office, even when you're going through the airport or your supermarket. Know where your AED is. Number three, and significantly, uh, there are apps that you can link in to being a good Samaritan. Now, that is the Good Sam app. Now, I know that it provides a network and you register with that. You um, are registered as a first responder um, where you either have access to an AED or you um, obviously are responding with your um, CPR skills. Unlike Mark, you know, not everybody will have the privilege of having two doctors on the finishing line at a race, um, but you too can be qualified with your CPR, know where your AED, and be part of a good SAM network. So, listeners, please think about those three things and, um, yeah, be a good Samaritan. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done, well, I haven't done CPR since I was at school, so maybe I need to do a first aid course. Jackie, I will pay for you to do the first aid course. <laughs> it's your, your civic responsibility. Yeah, Okay. Now, oh, the other thing is, Jackie, um, my colleague who has researched bystander CPR, he um, said that there, it's like AEDs, those those AEDs now are only like 150 pounds. They are so cheap. Yes, really, 150 pounds. And all they are is like a click, snap and zap, basically. That's as, as just, yeah, as portable as like a little, um, you know, like a baby wipe yeah. container. Yeah, yep. click, click, snap, and zap. So we should really all look to have, be having them in, at home. Oh, I think if you have a pre-like disposition, if you know that you're at risk of having um, a sudden cardiac arrest, like you know you have a arrhythmia, um, you know if you are someone who has first aid training, you'll carry that in the in the back of your car with your first aid kit. That's really what the market is there for. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So Mark mentioned that he has a conference coming up at the beginning of April. Yep, the 9th of 9th, April. 9th of April. We, 
Yeah, we love our heart. It's the one day online conference. And Jackie, tell us what the promo code is. So the link is an affiliate link, which means that if you go ahead and purchase a ticket, we will get some money which will go towards the costs of producing this podcast. So normally Louise and I pay everything out of pocket. But so if you do purchase a ticket, then we will get some money towards that we can put towards the costs of of producing this. So if you go to bit.ly forward slash three, four, lowercase o for Oscar, uppercase s for Sierra, lowercase B-I-Z, as in biz. So that's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash three, four, lowercase O, uppercase S for Sierra, lowercase B, lowercase I, lowercase Z. And the cost of the ticket is 39 US dollars. So head over to bit dot Lee forward slash three, four, lowercase o, uppercase s, lowercase b, lowercase i, lowercase z. The link is in the show notes. If if you prefer to click, just click on the link in the show notes. So Jackie, why don't you tell us where the show notes are for this episode? So the show notes can be found at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero seven nine. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. Mm-hmm.